Life was bitter to the core There was nothing to live for Until love came My name is Harold J. Perkins And at the age of 17 I was selling drugs And on my way to an early grave While sitting in my house with about 10 guys God gave me an out-of-body experience And I was lifted above the room I could see everything moving in slow motion After that I got up and put those guys out And I cried out to Jesus Christ He came into my life with liberty and purpose. Then I ran into religion. And it has taken me over 40 years to navigate through religion to fully understand what came into me that day. This podcast is to help put you on a faster track than it took me to get through religion and experience life, liberty, and purpose on a higher level. So get ready. We're about to start a revolution. Again, welcome. I'm excited about getting into this episode. We're going to talk about how to speak in the kingdom of God and that learning how to speak in the kingdom of God will determine your level of success. It's just like going to a foreign country. If you're going to have great success in that country, you have to learn the language of the country. And some of you know this because you've moved to a foreign country and you were limited in your success in that country until you learned the language. Well, the kingdom of God is another country. And most that come in the kingdom of God, they're speaking the language of their previous country and wondering why they're having only limited success in God's kingdom. All of us came out of the world, which has another language and another way of speaking that's different in the kingdom of God. One of the main reasons why Jesus stood out from everyone in his day was that he spoke a whole different language. He spoke the language of the kingdom of God and set an example for us to follow. Jesus did not just come to die for our sins. He also came to show us how the first man that God created was to live. And all other men and women were to follow that example. This is why Jesus said to the works that I do, you shall do also. Another way he could have said it is this, the success that I had, you can have also. But we can't have the success that he had if we don't speak like he did. In the book of John, chapter 7, the religious leaders sent officers to bring Jesus to them because they didn't like what he was doing that demonstrated that God was with him, while they, on the other hand, had no evidence that God was with him. No miracles, no signs, no wonders. In verse 46 of that same chapter, the officers returned, and the religious leaders said, why didn't you bring Jesus back with you? And they said, we have never heard a man that speaks like this. And so they were afraid to put their hands on him. Now, believe it or not, God wants to fill the earth with men that other people will say, I have never heard a man or a woman speak like this before. Now, how can I say this? Well, listen, let's go to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13 and 14. Here's what it says. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, surely blessing I will bless you and multiplying myself, I will multiply you. God said he would multiply himself. One person is not multiplication. So Jesus was just the beginning. We are to follow his example and be God multiplied and have the same type of power and the same type of works that he did flowing through us. But let's look and see how he spoke. I'm at Mark chapter 11, verses 12 through 14. Here's what it says. And on the next day, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. 
And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came that he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, he's speaking to the tree, no man eat fruit of you hereafter forever. And his disciples heard him. Notice he didn't touch the tree. All he did was speak to the tree. So let's fast forward to when they came back the next day. I'm at uh, Mark chapter uh, 11. Well, actually, here's what happens. If some verses, if you read on in the verses, they'll say that Jesus came back and the disciples said, hey, master, look at the tree. The tree that you spoke to is dead. And Peter was the one that said it. He was excited. He said, wow, the tree was dead. Now let's listen to what Jesus said. Mark 11, 22 and 23. And Jesus answered and said unto them, have faith in God. Now, obviously, if he's saying have faith in God, what he did had to do with having faith in God because the tree died. And Jesus answered and said unto them, have faith in God. For truly I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he says. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now, I want you to notice here. The first thing to notice is that Jesus said, whosoever has faith in God can speak and God will perform his words. So he's telling us that we are to speak and see the same results that he did because now we began to follow his example and we are God multiplied on the earth as God promised to Abraham. Now, if you study how Jesus spoke, you will find that he never talked fear. He never talked doubt. He never talked sickness. He spoke the opposite in the face of them all. Let's look at another example of how he spoke. I'm in Mark chapter four verses 35 and actually 35 to 41. In the same day, when the evening was come, he said unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there rose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was full of water. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on the pillow. Now, it's a bad storm. I mean, there's so much water in the boat. But I want you to notice that Jesus is still asleep. Okay. And it says, and they awoke him and said unto him, Master, don't you care that we're about to perish? Now, I'm going to stop for a minute. Now, you have to understand something. These were fishermen. They were used to being out on the boat. And they, this must have been a pretty powerful storm for them to be afraid of their lives because they, they weren't amateurs. They, they were out on this sea all the time. But I want you to notice Jesus was asleep. You know why Jesus was asleep? Because he spoke the words ahead and said, we're going to the other side. So he knew they were going to get to the other side. Verse 39 says, and he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, he's speaking to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? You see, he was expecting better from them because of what they had seen with him. Verse 41, and they, and they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this, that even the sea and the wind obey him? This is the manner of man God wants to fill the earth with, just like this, that understand that they can speak and God will respond to their words even when it has to do with weather, even when it has to do with whatever. Let's look at another case here. 
I'm in John chapter 11, verses 1 through 15. Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town where Mary and her sister Martha were from. It was the Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Verse 4 says, When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, said he to his disciples, let us go into Judah again. Now, this is a great example of sometimes we wonder, where is God? Now, Jesus loved this man, knew he was sick, and he waited two more days before he went there. And I know sometimes we get in situations where we wonder, God, where are you? Where are you? Why are you delaying? But notice, let's notice what transpired and what the end result here. I'm going to drop down to verse 11. Jesus says, our friend Lazarus is asleep, but I go that I may wake, awake him out of sleep. Notice that Jesus didn't call him dead. He said he was asleep. You know, this is a part of the kingdom, speaking things that are not as though they were, and then they become. Let's read on. Verse 12. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleeps, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he had spoke of taking a rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. The only reason he said those words is for them to understand. In verse 15, it says, And I am glad for your sake that I was not there to the intent you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. And he comes there, and I'm going to drop down to verse 39. Here's what it says. Jesus said, Take you away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinks, for he has been dead for four days. Jesus said unto her, said I not unto you, that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where he laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Notice the tense that Jesus was speaking in. He didn't say, Father, I thank you, you're going to hear me. He said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. See, this is the language of the kingdom. Verse 42, and I knew that you heard me always. Listen how he's speaking as if he's already talked. He's already heard him. Verse 42, and I knew that you heard me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that you have sent me. And when he had thus spoken this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. Jesus rose him from the dead with words, and God wants us to follow Jesus' example and do the same. In 2001, there was a minister by the name of Andrew Warmack who got a call from his oldest son when he had got back in town from ministering in Mexico, saying that his younger son, Peter, was dead. He and his wife got dressed and headed to the hospital that was about an hour away. And on the way, he said he, he refused to have grief. He refused sorrow. All these emotions, these negative thoughts were coming to him. His emotions were coming, and he, was, he refused 
to be grievous. He refused to to give in to these negative feelings and he these thoughts, and he wouldn't speak anything negative. But instead, he started praising God. And after praising God for a while on the inside, a laughter rose up in him and he started laughing and telling his wife, we're about to see the greatest miracle we have ever seen before. When he got to the hospital, his oldest son came out and said, I don't know what happened, dad, but five or 10 minutes after I talked to you, Peter sat up and started talking. (laughs) Wow. And he's still alive. This Peter is still alive today. The power to raise the dead is in us if we're in Christ. This is not just for a few. God wants to multiply himself in us with the same power flowing through our words. If Andy had started talking negatively like most would have done and start crying and feeling sorrowful and giving into the feelings and the emotions, that miracle would not have happened. Let's go to John chapter 16, verse 33. Here's Jesus. We're looking to see how Jesus spoke. If we're going to have the success that he had, then we've got to speak in the same manner that he did. John 16, 33. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Now, this was prior to Jesus going to the cross. Jesus had not overcome the world yet, but he was speaking as if it was already so. In the face of all that he was about to go through, he was about to be beaten. He was about to be hung on a cross. He was going to go to hell, but he is already speaking victory before it happened. This is how we're to speak when we're facing life's challenges. Our positive speaking will release God's power. You know, I've been in so many life's challenges when my emotions and my thoughts were so negative and, but I refused to give into those thoughts. I refused to speak anything that was, that was in line with what I was feeling and the emotions that I had, I spoke the opposite and I saw God turn things around to my favor. It didn't happen overnight in many cases, but it happened. We are to speak what we desire, not what we see or feel. You know, when God lost his first man, Adam, to sin in the beginning, don't you think it hurt his heart to lose this man to sin? If God created us with emotions, don't you think he has them too? But he didn't speak what he felt he spoke what he desired. Listen to what he, what he said in Genesis chapter 3. Right after Adam and Eve had allowed the serpent, uh, the devil, to work in the serpent to deceive them, here's what he says right after that. Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. And the Lord said unto the serpent, Because you have done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon your belly shall you go, and dust shall you eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, it shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Right here, see, Satan got man. And God is speaking right here, telling that he's going to bring the virgin birth where he's going to cause a woman to bring forth his seed, not the seed of man that has fallen and that now is Satan's seed. He's speaking right here that I'm going to bring Christ through the woman's seed and he's going to bruise your head. So right in the face of the apparent defeat, he speaks victory. Well, we are to be like our Father God and his Son, Jesus Christ, the example that he set. This is the language of the kingdom. In the face of defeat, we speak victory, and victory will follow. A real good example of how words can turn even the worst situation around is in 2 Kings chapter 6 and chapter 7. 
let me set the stage for this. What happened was the enemy had uh, encamped around the people of God and nobody went in and nobody went out. Well, with nobody going in and nobody going out, no food's coming in and so forth. So after a while, there there's a famine in, in, the, in the city there. And it was so bad that two women came together. And here's what they decided. They were going to cook one of their children and eat it one day. And then the next day they were going to kill the other kid and cook it. So one, the first woman cooked her son and they ate it. And the next day, the other lady said, I'm not doing it. And therefore, she would not do that. Anyway, so I'm just describing to you how bad the famine was in that city. And I want you to hear what the prophet said and the words that he spoke and what happened the next day. I'm in 2 Kings chapter 7, verses 1 through 9. Then Elijah said, hear you the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow. About this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Then a Lord on whose uh, hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, in other words, he's doubting that this could happen. The prophet said, behold, you're going to see this, but you're not going to eat it. Let's drop down to verse three. And there were four leopard men at the entering in of the gate. And they said one to another, why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine's in the city and we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we're going to die also. Now, therefore, let us fall upon the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. And they rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they come to the uttermost part of the camp of the Syrians, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Now I'm going to stop for a minute. Here's what God used four lepers, four lepers that had enough courage to go face the enemy, and he made them sound like a whole army. And that's a good illustration to show us, you know, sometimes we can look and see that, you know, our shortcomings and we don't think that God can do a whole lot with us. Well, here's four leopard men that God used to sound like a whole army. God is just looking for some courageous people that are willing to be instruments and vessels that he can use. It's not who you are, it's who he is. I'm going to continue at verse seven. Wherefore, they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and they fled for their life. And when these leopards came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried thence silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it and came again and entered into another tent and, and carried thence also and went and hid it. Then they said one to another, we do not well. This day of, is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. If we tarry to the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now, therefore, come that we may go and tell the king's household. So the men, so God moved on these lepers to say, hey, you can't keep this to yourself. Go tell the king. So they went and told the king, and the king sent some men out to see that and to gather up what was left behind. Now, I'm going to pick up at verse 18. And it came to pass as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying two measures of barley for a shekel and a measure of fine flour for a shekel shall be tomorrow about this time in the gate of Samaria. So it, it happened. 
Verse 19. And that Lord answered the man of God and said, Now behold, if the Lord should make windows in heaven, might such a thing be? And he said, Behold, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat thereof. So it fell out upon him, for the people trotted upon him in the gate, and he died. So his unbelief cost him his life. Now, look at what faith-filled words can do. Proverbs 18.21 says this, death and life are in the power of our tongue. We can speak life to our lives or we can speak death. God, Satan, angels, demons are listening to the words that we speak. Words of life that line up with God's word releases God and angels to go to work for us. Words of death which have to do with fear and doubt and unbelief and failure and sickness and so forth, release Satan and demons. Many people don't know it, but their mouth is digging a hole for them. God has truly empowered us to speak positive words of victory and all the forces of heaven will go to work to bring it to pass. On one occasion, Jesus said, according to your words, be it unto you. So do you really want the words that you're speaking? If not, learn how to speak words of faith and trust God to perform what you're speaking. This is the way of the kingdom. You can make a better life for yourself with words. Now, it may take you some time to believe in your heart that the words that you speak will come to pass. It's not going to happen just because you speak it. You have to believe it in your heart as well. But if you'll meditate in the principles of God's word and get them into your heart, the success you desire will come to pass. Let me say right here, If you don't know our living Savior, Jesus Christ, you can get to know him now. Pray this prayer with me. Say, God, I believe that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins. Jesus, I accept you into my life as my Lord and my Savior. Help me to live this life. Thank you. That's it. It's that simple. If you believe what you just prayed, he has come in. Start reading the Bible for yourself. You can start in the book of St. John and in the book of Romans, and God will begin to show you his purpose for your life, and he'll begin to show himself unto you. Okay, we'll see you on the next episode.